Hey, everybody. Hey, 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 hey. We are back with another episode of the Sex Talk. And as usual, I am excited to be here. Oh, my goodness. So, number one, I'm excited for this conversation. Number two, I've been doing a lot of writing lately. So, um... I feel really good and like my 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 brain is open like my mind is just my my thoughts are running freely the power of writing free writing is so good and um yeah I really I really enjoy it and um yeah I'm feeling good today um so this is part one to two parts of uh polyamory the most highly requested conversation at here at the sex talk okay and so um i'm so excited and i hope you're excited and i want to say thank you for tuning in and being here um i'm just typing something in super quick so i can have it uh prepared for our conversation Okay, so, um, boom, y'all know how I like to do. Welcome back to another episode of The Sex Talk. I am your host, Sunny. My pronouns are she, her. I identify as queer. I'm black. I'm a nigga. (laughs) I am a nigga. And my relationship to today's topic is we gonna get into it, okay? So don't even trip. Um, I really appreciate all of the likes, comments, and the follows on our social media platforms and all the engagement and communication that you guys send our way. It doesn't go unnoticed, like I say, all the time. Don't be afraid to reach out. We are here to chop it up with you because this is the sex talk. It is a conversation. You feel me? Okay, Um, I hope that you have your crew crew with you or maybe you're um, chilling solo tonight and you're listening to this episode and you're just you got your popcorn, you got your snack, you got your wine, you got your bevy, you got your whatever, you got your lights on, you chilling, you cooling and you're ready to get into this conversation because you've been waiting or maybe you just found the sex talk and you're like, wait a minute. I want to know what the fuck the sex talk talking about when it comes to Ohio every What the fuck is that about? You know what I'm saying? So, um, welcome, welcome. We're about to talk about it. We're going to get into it. Okay. If you want to know how to support the sex talk, follow our social media, share our social media, um, share our podcast, share, 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 share word of mouth newsletters, bird you know birdie (laughs) send a message through a bird send a message in a bottle tell people that we're here engage with our posts and um if you want to give a monetary gift we take cash app or venmo and our cash app is is formerly the sex talk tv but now it is e-l-l-t-e-e-s-u-n-n-i-e e-l-l-t-e-e-s-u-n-n-i-e okay I had to change it so it could be consistent all across the board um, for both the Lieutenant Sunny brand and the Sex Talk brand. But 
that's neither here nor there. If you want to send a monetary gift, let me know. And if you don't have cash app or Venmo and you want to send it in another uh, in another form, reach out at our email at uh, the Sex Talk TV, T H E S E X T A L K T V at gmail.com. Okay. All of our social medias are uh, the Sex Talk Pod. Um, but I, I could not change the email, which it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right. All right. So let's get up into it. How y'all doing? How you feeling? You checking in? You you taking good care of yourself? Are you are you giving yourself love and, and nourishment? Did you drink water today? Hmm? Did you drink water? If you didn't drink water today... No judgment. Just, you know, run and grab a bottle or get some water and then come on back. We ain't going nowhere. Okay. I want to make sure you're you're nourished, okay? Um, so let's get into it. What is polyamory? So the definition of polyamory is the practice of engaging in multiple romantic and typically sexual relationships with the consent of all people involved. Okay, the definition says with the consent of all people involved. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we got ethical non-monogamy, which is a really popular term these days. Um, and I mean, literally these days. Uh, We're going to get into that in a second. But let's define, let's define ethical. And the reason why y'all know why I like to define things is so people can know exactly what the fuck going on sometimes you got to get back to the root the cause the where where a word came from to identify some things for yourself you know what i'm saying so let's define ethical because a lot of people be throwing that oh i'm i'm ethically non-monogamous some people be a lot of people throw that uh word around and don't even know what ethics are but anyway i digress um define ethical relating to moral principles or the branch of knowledge dealing with these, okay? Moral principles, and let's define non-monogamous. Uh, for some people, this means being monogamous, having only one partner. For others, it means being non-monogamous, uh, which means having more than one partner or having one partner but having sex with other people as well. What do you think about that, Okay. And then also, let's get into when polyamory was discovered. So remember how I said these days? <laughs> so polyamory is a relatively new word coined around 1990 by Morning Glory Ravenheart Zell that has Latin and Greek roots that translate to loving many. There is no single definition of polyamory and many people use the word to mean different things. That's the thing about knowing the history and context in which something was created, uh, identified or born or the foundation in which it, it is standing on. Because 19... Okay, so I was born in 1992. Okay? If the word polyamory was coined in 1990, it's only two years older than me. And I'm still figuring life out. Okay? <laughs> Just to add context. What do you think about that? Um, and the reason why I like to add add numbers and, and history and context to things is because that can give people a really good outlook on the timeline. For example, 
Um, I just I was a part of this program. It was uh, it was only four years old. I, I was a part of the fourth year. So my entry point was the third year going into the fourth year. Right. And in that program, I, I stumbled on I came upon some stumbling blocks and I talked to the people who developed the program. And I said, hey, I understand that this program is four years old. OK. And if these stumbling if these stumbling blocks have existed um in order for me to stumble on them, they, they this probably this problem probably persisted already, and I'm probably the one that's saying something. But I need something to be done about this stat, because if it happened to me, it'll happen again. Okay, right? And so, just to give context about you know timeline, the word is only 32 years old ish, 32 years ish old. And we got words out here that are thousands of years old. Uh, but anyway, what do you think about that? Okay. Um, why are we talking about polyamory? I, like I said in the beginning, um, it has been the highly it, it has been highly requested for the past two and a half years since I started the sex talk, which is very telling. I think that the be, being that being that the word ethical non-monogamy is being thrown around a lot and people identify, I want to say a lot of a lot of people that I know um, either a lot of people that I know personally either are interested in it or they practice it or they aspire to practice it or they think they're practicing it. Um, but I feel like because of the times and how things are changing, people, you know, we might need to talk about commitment next and what the fuck that means and the origin of commitment. Um, but that, that, you know, that's going to be a whole nother conversation because uh, the history of our country, which is the youngest country out of, in the world. Right. Um, don't quote me on that. It's one of the youngest countries. So I just wanna, don't quote me on that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's uh, times are changing, society's changing. Oh, laws, rules, politics, all the things, identities changing. We have more access to information, and we have more opportunity to go across the world and live different lives than we. We have more freedom, right? So I think I think that there is a lot of different um, trends and themes and self-liberation that's taking place to where where people are you know wanting to live and love and have sex more freely okay so a bit of self-disclosure um in the in the last two years I've done some research and I have gained my own experiential knowledge you might have seen this you might have seen this topic and listened in because you are curious about polyamory and I have some questions before you uh before we move on I have some questions for us to reflect on while we embark on this journey. And so just to add a little more context, I'm someone uh, who have grown up predominantly, you know, black Pentecost Christian, uh, grew up heavily immersed in purity culture, um, heterosexual environments. Uh, I was, you know, slandered when uh, my family found out I was gay, you know, people in general. Um, I was heavily taught that you should wait till marriage to have sex with someone. You should only have sex with one person, all these different things. And these are things that we've talked about 
in the sex talk so if you've been rocking with the sex talk but you haven't heard every episode or you're just tuning in this is just a little context of the lens that i'm viewing this this uh you experiencing life from right and so um as i uh and I talked about this a little bit after the the murder of George Floyd and the uprising that took place in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, a lot changed for me. I was very close to I li- I lived very close to where uh, things were taking place um, overnight when there was a lot of civil unrest and looting and um you know people were burning down establishments and extremely upset you know valid anger you know um and so i was i did a lot of reflection and i was like i don't know if this is multiple people's experiences um but uh i had a shift i had a mindset shift in the way that i identify the way that i show up in the world and what that means to me and so i started the sex talk uh, I had already been practicing sexual discipline, which is a whole nother episode. Go check it out. It's called 100 plus, 1000 plus days of sexual discipline, where I talk a little more detailed about my journey with sexual discipline. And there's an episode, if you go back to season one um, of uh, me talking about why celibacy and a part of my journey with sexual discipline is that it transformed to from celibacy to abstinence to um, you know, all these different things. And it was more of a holistic approach, um, as I continued to learn and grow and mature. And so after, during the, during COVID and then the uprising, I had a lot of time to myself to think and reflect and realize that there's a lot more deconstructing that I wanted to do personally and, um, free thinking, free loving and free living is the trajectory. It changed the trajectory, and that's where I'm headed, right? So it's all really much a uh, journey for me. Um, and so the sex talk has definitely been a learning space for myself and anyone else who is listening and participating. And I really appreciate you guys being here with me and communicating and keeping in touch and all that fun stuff because we're learning and growing together. Um, but yeah, so let's get into these questions, right? So these questions include but are not limited to so just to bring you back up to speed because i know i just went off on a little tangent um these are questions that not one uh one that i've had to ask myself ask other people um my therapists and my you know divine parents have asked me in conversation about uh my curiosity and journey and questions about polyamory so I just want to encourage people to think about these questions whether you are interested in polyamory or engaging in polyamory or immersed you know you've been doing this you know what I'm saying it's never too late if if anybody asks you these questions here we go I'm asking you right now um do you have a trusted mental health professional you see weekly do you have a spiritual practice you are consistent with spiritual not religious okay do you like yourself do you love yourself do you have healthy relationships with the people in your ecosystem i.e 
parents, grandparents, godparents, grandparents as well, siblings, best friends, close friends, community, associates, etc. We talk a lot about the ecosystem here on the sex talk. Do you have about five friends who have positive, healthy, romantic relationships in their lives? Are they supportive and or aware of your love style choice or curiosity? Do you have a good relationship with jealousy? Okay, we have an episode about jealousy. It's in like the first is is in season one through three. I can't remember which one, but we talk about jealousy here on the sex talk. It's a natural feeling. And I want to ask people, do you have a good relationship with jealousy? When it comes up, how do you behave? How do you deal with it? Do you have boundaries and standards? Okay. Are you are your boundaries fragile or firm? And how long have you been practicing your boundaries? We talk about boundaries here on the sex talk and it's 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 a it's a spectrum. If you are establishing a boundary in your life, you might relapse a few times when it's new, when it's a new boundary, when it's fragile. And so is are your boundaries fragile or firm? These are these are really important questions that I want to encourage people to ask themselves um, and their partners and their potential partners. OK, how long have you been practicing your boundaries? OK, because practice makes permanent. Mm hmm doesn't make perfect it makes permanent my my old dance teacher used to say that practice makes permanent okay i forgot what les brown used to say too he said practice makes something but repetition really it really gets you in i think he said practice makes programming you 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 repeat a boundary over and over and over you program it into your brain and your being and it's there and then it's firm right it's a process okay do you feel confident in your ability to advocate for your needs okay um in these last two to five years you know what i'm saying i've definitely had to reevaluate um how i engage with people especially Especially if I, I if I notice that they go with the flow a little too often for me, I need people to advocate for their needs because when there's two people in a friendship, relationship, situation, whatever it is, co-working, whatever it is, and one person is very vocal and can express themselves, i.e. myself, right? <laughs> And the other person is not as, I'm speaking from experience, the other person is not as vocal and, let's say, emotionally evolved. That other person can grow resentment for you or insert more vocal person because they feel like they might feel like they're being taken advantage of or they're not, um, there's not enough space for them or whatever. And they're internalizing the space that you're taking up. And really, it's like it's it's space for everybody. You just got to take up more, take up more space. You know what I'm saying? Now, let me not let me let me not pretend like there's not people in the world. I'm not pretending like there's not people in the world who actively take advantage of people who are more soft spoken or quiet or don't have too many boundaries. That is very much a fact. 
However, it's important to take responsibility for your ability to advocate for yourself and your needs. And if you are surrounded by um, strong willed, strong headed people who are vocal and say, yes, I want to go to this place. I want to do this thing. This is what I need from you. And this is the time that can be overwhelming when you don't have that same muscle, when you don't have that same strength to be able to advocate for your needs and if you think it's difficult with one person imagine that with two three four five people do you feel confident in your ability to advocate for your needs be honest okay ain't nobody here to judge you i don't even know the answers to these questions i don't even know who's listening to this right now but if this is hitting if this is hitting you i really want you to take a take a second to think about it okay and i've been on both sides Right. I've been on the side where I wasn't as vocal for whatever reason. And I've been on the side of being so vocal that the other person has grown resentment. However, now I've taken uh, taken responsibility of being intuitive and being intentional, paying attention to and asking questions. Okay, this is what I need. X, Y and Z, blah, blah, blah. How about you? Okay. And when they put it back on me, okay, so that you're you're more focused on what I want. I already expressed what I want. I need to know what you want before we move forward. There's a way there's a way to, you know, heal the situation. There's a way around it, okay? Ask questions, okay? What do you think about this? <sighs> Y'all know that's my favorite question. Okay, do you feel confident in your active listening skills? active listening skills a small example that I just gave is listening to the other person and really being intuitive and paying attention to what they're saying their body language and and what you know about them active listening and paying attention to the person that you want to be in relationship with or in ethical non-monogamy community with is very important because you know even though I do encourage people to express their needs, sometimes it it is an expression of love when you can identify like, hey, I know that this person really cares about this and their love language is act of service and they seem a little overwhelmed right now. I'm going to go take care of this um, on my own and then I'll let them know when it's complete and blah, 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 because I've been listening. I've been paying attention. I've been observing because I want this uh, environment to be healthy and I have capacity to take care of this right now um, so do you feel com- do you feel confident in your active listening skills also one thing about me I don't like repeating myself okay um, I had to learn a really hard lesson about I said it the first time I said I already said I said what I said like if I didn't understand what I said what I said meant before I understand now you know sometimes you'll be in a cycle with somebody and they might have not got off the hamster wheel for themselves. And so they bring you back to the same conversations and the same situations because that's where they are right now. And so I had to learn how to listen and pay attention to the patterns of where we're going back to and ask a different question like, hey, what is it that you need from me that you might not feel like you're getting um, to, you know what I'm saying, to 
you know, make you feel comfortable so that we can move past this because I thought we moved past this. Okay. Just paying attention to those things. So you're not wrapped up in the hamster wheel or you're not still dealing with those cycles and being able to stand outside of those cycles that people might be going through and letting people have their own process. So active listening is a number of different things, but are you confident in your listening skills? Okay. I think it's powerful for relationships in general but it's definitely when you're in a group of people and you potentially want to have sex with all these people you might want to listen mm-hmm. okay so um do you communicate honestly effectively and consistently it's very important to be honest with yourself about that i think that um in my experiences with relationships uh friendships co-worker um relationships all the things I realized that most of the time that these last three questions you know these last three questions I needed to improve my skills on these things about uh, advocating for my needs active listening and communicating honestly effectively and consistently um in in multiple relationships I realized that those were like key components to the foundation that uh those relationships lived on and they they really influenced the trajectory of the success of those relationships professional personal um you know communal whatever familial all the things so be be honest with yourself about your communication style and if you don't feel like you can uh communicate honestly effectively or consistently seek some help about it read a book journal do something do something something that I do something that I do when I know I have to have a hard conversation I feel like I have to say something that's really 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 tough I practice saying it out loud in the in the mirror I practice it with a friend um, I write it down in a text message and I listen to Siri say it to me. You know, I'm like, how does this sound and how do I sound saying it? You know what I'm saying? So, but that's just me. Okay. What about you? <laughs> okay. How well do you deal with conflict? And do you have a, and do you have conflict resolution skills? When two or more are gathered, there will be conflict. And if you do not have a healthy relationship with conflict, you will feel like it is a bad thing. But like I've said on this podcast before, conflict is healthy. Conflict gives you like if every if you're in a group of people and everybody's agreeing all the time, run. If you're in, if you are friends with somebody or if you are in a staff meeting and everybody's agree, agreeing all the time somebody's lying okay because we're all human beings we all have different walks of life experiences we all have different needs we all have different styles uh, of communication we all have different everything everybody's different and so there will be conflict and um you know the definition of conflict i don't have it pulled up but um it's, it's just friction it's just friction in in belief and just ideas and stuff like that um uh, and it's okay, right? It's okay to have conflict with people you want to relate with, in a relationship with, okay? Do you have conflict resolution skills? Do you, how do you deal with conflict? Ask yourself these questions. Think about it, okay? Um, are there any aspects of polyamory that you are over-sexualizing? 
when you're thinking about polyamory, are you thinking about long-term relationships? Are you thinking about hookups? Are you thinking about group sex? When you think about polyamory, are you just thinking about sex? These are really important questions to ask yourself because when you engage with other partners, it's very important that you are upfront about what it is that you're looking for. And I know for me personally, I've always expressed to anybody that I've been interested in, if you want to have sex, say it now. Doesn't mean we're going to have sex right now. However, let's build this foundation honestly, okay? So if you want to have sex, I'd rather hear it out of your mouth rather than you know your behaviors and your like you know the ways that you might rush a situation because you're looking for an end result in particular maybe you're curious maybe you want to know what you know what I'm saying so uh, maybe you, you have questions and you want to see what it's like to have sex with multiple people or whatever it is like that be upfront about those things. I feel like there's a lot of people can have a lot more respect for each other when they're upfront and honest in the beginning. And it eliminate it, it reduces the possibility for conflict. It reduces the possibility for heartbreak and confusion. You know what I'm saying? Be honest. The the last the last few people I've been in intimate co- contact with I, we had an honest conversation up front, very, very soon on. And I, I, I'm, I'm really good at calling out sexual tension. I don't mind calling it out. It's like if we're, in, if we're in an intimate setting and it's getting hot, let's talk about this before we just act. This ain't, this ain't Hollywood. This ain't how it, it's not going to go like it goes on the movies. Like this is our real life. You know what I'm saying? So let's treat it as such, you know, so... I be like it's getting spicy in here, so let's let's talk. How you feel? What you what do you what you need? This is what I'm looking for. Blah 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 blah. Sex talk. This is let's talk about it. Last but not least, do you effectively understand consent? Okay, do you effectively understand consent? This is something I'm still working through um, for myself. The last person that I was involved with on on a more long-term basis, I don't think that she understood consent. And um, it, it bothers me, you know what I'm saying? I'm still working through some of the things that took place in that involvement, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like... How many conversations do we need to have here in order for you to get it through your head that that doesn't make me feel comfortable? And I practice consent by always asking before I touch that person and things like that. And it just really it got it got a little overwhelming. Very much so, you know, and that's just something that I'm just still, you know, day by day processing when those feelings come up and things like that. Um, But yeah, these are really important conversations to have with yourself and your partners when it comes to consent. Um, Consent isn't the same for everybody. And uh, here's what I'm going to say. What am I saying? What am I saying? Not everybody is as sexually evolved or in tune or sexually aware. We're not all in the same place. And so I think something I want to encourage folks is to always ask before you touch somebody and just build a culture of uh, consent 
asking for consent in all your relationships asking to hug asking to kiss i don't care if you're married i don't care if you know your spouse for 45 years i don't care practice consent you never know what your people are going through and um in my experience uh in my experience with the person I'm talking about in particular, um, I was processing a lot of uh, internalized stuff. And sometimes I didn't even want to be touched like on the shoulder, right? Like, don't touch me, you know? <laughs> right? So it's, it's just really important to um, talk about consent, physical, verbal, um, you know, all the things, and even disclosing certain, uh, confident, confidential information right understanding confidence right so it's important to ask your people is it okay if i talk about this right now is it okay if i share this information with this person can i bring this topic up in a group setting can i touch you right now would you like to have sex etc like we've talked about consent enthusiastic consent in and outside of the bedroom okay what do you think about those questions like i said they're they include but are not limited to right so uh yeah what do you think about that now let's get into some polyamory statistics so what i'm gonna do is um like i said this is gonna be a two-part conversation so um we're rolling up we're we're slowly but surely we're rolling up to the end of this episode um but y'all know how i like to do i like to set it up really well so that we can um get through the conversation in an effective way and like i said this is like i've said before this is not going to be the last conversation that we have okay about this thing and the conversation doesn't stop here right um so boom um so poly polyamory statistics polyamory is a relationship orientation that is practiced by a minority of the population thought that was really interesting um, when I read it in the United States, about four to five percent. So about four. So polyamorous people make up four to five percent of people in the U.S., according to a six, 2016 study. Now, being that it's about six years later, I'm curious to know how much these statistics have changed. Um, because I want to say major- the, these statistics that I'm going to read in this episode are from 2015 and 2016. Okay. And remember polyamory, the word in itself is only about 32 years old. Ah, what do you think about that? Okay. So according to a study in 2016, 20% of the U.S. population has practiced some form of consensual non-monogamy at some point in their lives, such as polyamory or open relationships. Okay. Um, one study says that 90, 92% of open marriages end in divorce, supporting a common notion that marriage without exclusivity is doomed to fail. Hey, look, I, I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm just reading the facts, okay? <laughs> but what do you think about that? Do you know anyone who was in a marriage that um, they opened the marriage and it ended in divorce? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like... What do you think about that? Any long-term relationships that you're aware of past five years? Because um, what what's the what's the common year for people? Let me look it up. Okay. <laughs> 
Yep. Okay. So there are countless divorce studies with conflicting statistics. The data points to two periods during a marriage when divorces are most common. Years one to two and years five to eight. Of these two high-risk periods, there are two years in particular that stand out as the most common years to divorce. Year seven and eight. So do you, so my question to you all, do you know anybody or are you in a long-term marriage that is past, you know, five to eight years that is open and successful or that is strictly monogamous, uh, that's strictly monogamous? I do. I, uh, I know one, I know one. No, I actually know a few long-term successful relation, uh, marriages that are past eight years, but they're all monogamous. Um, all the all the mon- all the non-monogamy people that I know are in they're not married or queer or the mixture of both or black BIPOC, which is a whole other conversation. We'll get into it. Um, so on openpsychometrics.org, they stated in October 2015, 5,043 responses to this survey was recorded survey that they did about uh, polyamory at the end of the survey users were asked if their responses were accurate and could be stored and used for research this analysis only uses those who answered yes to these questions and were older than their 13 okay so um okay so before i get in there so about these di- di- statistics on openpsychometrics.org. Um, so they asked a little over 5,000 people these questions. Um, are you polyamorous? And things of that nature. Prevalent to polyamory. So out of 5,000 plus people, um, 7.1% I, in uh, context, I don't know what city and state this took place in. Uh, it doesn't say here. But we will get into more details about these things because I do definitely think that um, state, East Coast, West Coast, South, North, all that matters. Because the Midwest is different, and that's where I am. We a little different up, up, up over her. You know what I'm saying? Um, 7.1% of these people identified as polyamorous. 25.5% of these people said not polyamorous, but interested. Um, 7.6% of these people said used to be polyamorous. And 59.8% of these people said that they're not polyamorous. Okay. And of these 5,000 plus people, their genders were, but not limited to. Now, mind you, this is 2015, and we've made a lot of progress. Still, so much progress to go when it comes to the binary. Um, but it just says male, female, or other. So there's a group of people who there's a few there's a number of groups of people who are identified on this um, on this survey. Um, and so of the of the female, 69 point of the people who identified as female. Um, 69.1% identified as not polyamorous. 7.1% said used to be polyamorous. 
4.8% said not polyamorous, but interested in 4.9% identified as uh, polyamorous. And those stats are almost similar for men and male identified folks. And um, down to age. Uh, I want to say that these numbers are very close. They, I, they, they surveyed 5,000 plus people from the ages of 13 to 55 and from 13 to 15, from 13 to 18, 19 to 25, 26 to 32 and 33 to 55 majority, it was about 60 or 50%, 60 or 50% who identified as not polyamorous and 20 to 30% of not polyamorous, but interested in a small percentage, 8% or less who identify as polyamorous. Okay. And it's very similar for race and polyamory. I mean, yeah, race and polyamory and the, the groups are white, not white, non-Hispanic, white and Hispanic, black and Asian. Um, so that's not every race, but you know, but the numbers are very similar. So um, and orientation is a bit different, like the for the people who identify as they say homosexual in here. So the people who identify as queer, 57.9 percent of them identified as not polyamorous, bisexual um, folks, 36 percent not polyamorous and heterosexual, 63 um, percent not polyamorous. And for the folks who did it was uh, 14 to 8 percent in all three of those categories which are limited in their data and they identify that their data and their statistics are limited in all these things now y'all know damn well that I took my time y'all know that I, I took my time to look for different articles and things like that of stats for BIPOC folks and the, the few articles that I did find we're not about statistics. However, what I do want to identify is that um, black folks make up 13.4% of the human population in the United States. And on this 2015 um, survey of 5,000 people from who knows where, I think they use the internet to, they put it on different sites to gather this information so it could be up from all over the United States um but in the in these statistics from openpsychometrics.org um it shows that i want to say that 240 people out of 5000 people um took this took this quiz or not the quiz the survey if i'm not mistaken so that's a that's a small amount of black folk that took this uh, quit, um, survey, right? So I, so the reason why I want to bring up these numbers and add this information is because I want to identify. The reason why I want to add this information is because um, black people make up a small part of the population, and we make it every 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 avenue and industry that we are a part of. We're always the minority. Um, 
in that space because we're a small we're a small body of people and so i'm really curious to know what is what are my black folks experiences black married folks black people who uh, pursued higher education um black folks who didn't you know and maybe got a high school diploma and ged which some of that came up in different statistics um that that made them that changed the that changed the people's decision making higher education money um socioeconomical status um and geographically where they stay um religion race sexual orientation all those things and so being that we're a small part of the population we're even smarter we're even smaller part of the population in the polyamory community and so i think it's so interesting that um, looking at these numbers, I love numbers and I love because numbers don't lie. OK, numbers do not lie. And when it comes to the numbers and the statistics and populations and the num- like the the number of people who said what and who identify as what is it makes it really clear of who who is engaging in what, why and where. And there's I'm sure there's polyamorous privilege, right, with other communities and, or the lack thereof. Right. So. But my interesting, like, um, the dichotomy for me is that uh, maybe maybe I maybe I seek out these people or I attract these people because I am a sex educator and I'm, you know, people identify me as someone who's easy to talk to. So I talk to more more people who are interested in ethical non-monogamy or polyamory or practicing it currently. So I thought the population and the numbers would have been larger. Um, but after looking at those statistics and, and doing my research, I was like, no, this is significantly smaller. And also, I do want to add, I'm not going to out anybody. However, I do want to say that there's a lot of people in the black community who are still they're out in certain communities um, within their ecosystem, um, but not to their family and the, their larger community of people that they're engaged with. Um, and then also some people are in polyamorous relationships some black and brown people are in polyamorous relationships but their families and friends don't know that okay so i would be curious to know how accurate our statistics would be if someone did a survey and um they asked these people and where they asked them and how honest they would be or could be due to safety or comfortability or readiness all those things so with that being said, I just wanted to get that context and I wanted to share that. That's part one. That concludes part one of our polyamory episode. And we're going to get into more statistics and more conversation about polyamory in our second episode next week. But in the meantime, in between time, I want to know what you think about this. I want to know, um, you know, how you feel about this. Have you thought about polyamory? Are you currently a polyamorous person? And also, I want to identify that polyamory and polygamy are two separate things polygamy is marriage polyamory is relationship um and ethical non-monogamy is a new term right it's a newer term uh from the both of them okay what do you think about these things and how do you feel if you are if you are a monogamous person has this broadened your gaze or want you made you want to ask questions to your peers who are in open relationships you know what i'm saying um, I think that there's this d- deep desire for mo- uh, two things. I think that there's a deep desire in society for uh, a tribe. I think that that so I'm reading a book called Atomic Habits. 
Shout out to my homeboy. He told me about it. And um, I, I've been speeding through the book because it's so good. And it's our ancient, it's one of one of the, in one of the excerpts, it talks about ancient, ancient desires, human desires and human nature. And it is our ancient desire to be in a tribe. We are tribal people, um, human beings, any, 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 without the labels, right? Human beings by nature, we are tribal people and we want to be together, right? And, um, and so I think that sometimes that for some people, it ventures over to sexually being in a tribal, you know, gathering with folks. And then there's a group of people who are like, I want to platonically be in a tribe and sexually be with one other person. And that's it. That does it for me. Um, you know what I'm saying? So uh, the book is really good. Check out Atomic Habits, James Clear you know, he bodied that shit, but it really gave me a lot of insight on human nature and how we, um, identify in the ways that these larger companies like Google, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, Apple, they, um, they build, uh, they build their programming and they build certain things to, um, basically connect with our ancient desires and not necessarily what we see as in modern times. And so I think, you know, just having that information in my head, I'm curious to know uh, how, how beneficial it would be for us to research our ancient history sexually. You know what I'm saying? Because I believe that, I believe that we are just limited on what it is that we have access to because uh, patriarchy and monogamy, marriage, all the Christianity, all these things um, are the foundation that play a role in the foundation in the building of the United States after the colonization um, uh, of this country, right? Because they were building, the forefathers were building a specific thing. They were building a specific thing, right? Uh, so anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. We'll get back to it. We'll talk more about it. But these are things that, you know, are just going through my mind um, as the host. And I just want to share my thoughts. And I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think about this? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sex Talk. This is our polyamory episode part one. I'll see you. I'll Well, I'll tune. We, we'll, we'll be back next week. I'll, I won't be able to see y'all. I'll see you in my heart, in my mind. But we'll be back next week for polyamory part two. In the meantime, keep in touch. The conversation doesn't stop here. If you want to donate, if you want to support, um, you know how to do it. Uh, E-L-L-T-E-E-S-U-N-N-I-E, Cash App and Venmo. And, you know, keep keep in touch. Stay engaged. Take good care of yourself. And I'll talk to y'all later. Okay? Bye.